0: Thank yeah. you. Welcome to Muscle Science for Women. I am your host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for being here as always. Today's guest is going to be talking about a topic that seems to be very important to most of you. It's the topic that we get asked the most questions about and a topic that seems to be really, really complex and sort of never exhaustively discussed, right? So we're going to continue to do it. Um, because that's what you're asking for. We're talking about menopause. We're talking about hormonal health. We're talking about perimenopause, all the hormonal stuff that women have to deal with and try to navigate and try to optimize as we go through our life. So today's guest, her name is Esther Blum. She's an integrative dietitian and a menopause expert. Thank goodness. She has more than 27 years of experience. She's helped thousands of women really optimize their their hormones and really kind of get a handle on menopause and not be so sort of uh afraid of it or dreading it as i know so many of us are um and she really works on this through nutrition through hormonal health and through self-advocacy which is another kind of piece of this that we really don't necessarily discuss enough she's written a number of books including a uh, best-selling see you later ovulator which i mean Name alone. Come on, she's amazing. She's worked with Gwyneth Paltrow. She's known as Gwyneth Paltrow's menopause mentor. Um, She's been featured in Forbes, Well and Good, um, Goop, The Today Show. She's all over the place. She is an incredible resource. She's somebody that I've known for a number of years and will personally be uh, requesting her help when I get to this stage in my life. And I'm just so grateful that I already get to kind of ask her questions and, and prepare myself and hopefully help you folks too. So We dive into all of it in this episode, kind of optimizing hormones through our life cycle. Um, We talk about HRT, which we have talked about separately in an episode. So if you are kind of new- to the podcast and you want to know all things hormone replacement therapy, hormonal health, um, optimizing our health as we age, we have done other episodes about that. I'll put them in the show notes. You can kind of search our uh, podcast and find the episodes that work for you. But she's really going to dive deep into all of this stuff and answer questions that I get asked a lot. Like, is it actually harder to build muscle as you get older? Is it impossible to uh, minimize perimenopausal symptoms. Some of the things that I think we take for granted as necessary evils of being a woman and being fortunate enough to continue to age, some of these things may not be as necessary as we think they are or as uh, daunting as we've been told they are. So without further ado, uh, here is my episode with the amazing Esther Blum. You should definitely go follow her on social media. She does a ton of kind of amazing free content. Her books are great. Her work is great. um, And she is definitely worth listening to. So enough of me, more Esther. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Esther, welcome to Muscle Science for Women. Thank you for being here. It's so nice to catch up with you again.
1: Thank you for having me. I lo- I'm grateful to be here with you, Ashley.
0: I love that we are uh, matching our outfits. This was not planned, but it is a very <laughs> cute podcasting look, you know, black shoulders out. It's kind of how I roll most days. That's anyway. it. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen each other in a while. I think the last time we saw each other in person, you came to Beth and I, our carnivorous party in New York, which was lovely. Um, but I mean, lots has been going on since then. So I almost have a bunch of questions for you. I almost don't really know where to start, but maybe if you just want to um, tell the listeners a little bit kind of about yourself and what what you're doing these days and what's exciting you with your work and life.
1: Yeah, this is perfectly timed, actually. So- um... I'm Esther Blum. I am an integrative dietitian and menopause expert. And I wrote a book la- that came out in 2022 called See You Later Ovulator Mastering Menopause with Nutrition, Hormones, and Self Advocacy. It was my fifth book. And I actually just recorded the audio version, which is coming out in October for World Menopause Day. So I cool. can't even wait to get it out. Um, and it's been, it's been a really amazing adventure and I'm actually, I just got my first samples. This is hot off the press. I've told no one. I just got my first samples of supplements that I am creating specifically for women on hormone replacement therapy to make sure that they're detoxing optimally in the liver and the gut. Um, so I'm going to be sampling those later today. So stay tuned on that. That's going to be really exciting. And if you're not on hormones, you can absolutely still take them, but it's just going to really, you know, I've looked at thousands of lab tests uh, in women from perimenopause to menopause. And these are just all the supplements that keep coming up consistently that I'm putting people on. So I'm making one powder scoop in the morning that you just put in your glass of water and then four capsules at night. And that's for sleep and rest. And that's it. Like easy, easy, easy has to be easy, right? Instead of lining up many supplements on the counter, boom, one formulation. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. That's cool. Um, it already is bringing me to a question that I think is going to have a much more complex (laughs) answer. So I don't know if we should dive into this right away, but first of all, You didn't, you, so you, did you said you did the audio version of your book. I
1: Is, did. I recorded, I spent days in the studio. It was so much fun, but brought up my old acting chops.
0: <laughs> okay. So, okay. So you have a background in this because I, listen, I talk for yeah. a living. And when I had to do, I wrote a course for a primal health coach Institute, strength yeah. training for women and for coaches. And I had to like read out the, the, the curriculum for folks who'd prefer to listen rather than read, and I was like, this is so exhausting and so much harder than I thought because you have to sound like good, like you don't want to be boring, you don't want to be messing up all the time, but like you're reading so much stuff that your eyes go crossed. Like, do you have t- <laughs> like do you have tips? Like, how do you do this successfully?
1: Yeah. Well, when I read it, I honestly had the chills because it was a book that I really wrote from my heart um, to give voice to all the women who don't have a voice and who uh, in menopause and who don't have the platform to share knowledge. And these are women that I've treated in practice who've been horribly gaslit and dismissed by their doctors and told it's on their head and they've got to wait menopause out and all the other BS lies we've been told. So, for me i just always envision the woman who needs help on the other side of the microphone or the camera whenever i make a video she's right there in front of me and so i become this vessel where it just goes through me i i'm really not anything but the vessel so when you come at it from that perspective and yes i was <clears throat> you know drinking tea with honey. And I I had my fisherman's friend throat lozenge because my voice just, I don't tend to breathe properly. I'm not a great breather. I'll Mm -hmm. admit something I always work on, but I speak through my throat, not my diaphragm. So, and I have years of choir history, but it just, speaking is different. So I Mm -hmm. tend to lose my voice. <clears throat> yeah. So I would say, keep your throat really healthy. And, and I made sure not to talk much the rest of the night and just stay really hydrated and,
0: mm-hmm. and really
1: rest. I took frequent, you know, the sound studio guy was like, please take some breaks. Cause I was like, let me just power through and get it done.
0: But Amazing. I, you know,
1: he was like, take breaks more, you know, relax.
0: Well, I think that's a very good indication that you are passionate about the work that you're doing. So (laughs) that's amazing. Congratulations. Um, So for the supplement thing, again, I'm just going to like jump right in with a big question, but you said you're creating this, this supplement for women who are on hormone replacement therapy and it's about detoxing. So like, what does that mean exactly? And why do women who are on HRT, especially require help with detoxing? What are they detoxing from? What's going on there?
1: Great question. So in our, the day-to-day work that I do, I, before women even come and see me before they have a session with me and my nutrition coach, I run three types of tests in my practice. I run blood work to make sure women are optimizing their glucose uh, regulation and glucose control and that their inflammatory markers and their liver function tests and their thyroid are in check. But after that, I run two tests. One is the Dutch test, the Dutch complete, and one is the GI map. The Dutch stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. So I'm looking at your hormone metabolites after they've gone through your liver. And some people don't ta- uh detox hormones through the liver. So they are estrogen dominant or relatively estrogen dominant. If their progesterone's low, they may not have a true estrogen dominance. And then they're symptomatic. They're getting breast tenderness, irritability, bloating or puffiness, the inability to lose weight um, or feeling like minnow rage, right? Because our estrogen in perimenopause, our estrogen levels spike to three times Uh, the baseline on any given day, we have these peaks and valleys, your ovaries are in there, you know, I call it like the fireworks finale, like they're trying to eke out as many hormones as they can before the party winds down. And your body's production of hormones switches over from your ovaries to your adrenals. So in the process, I have to make sure your hormones are moving through because um, if they are not, and yes, ladies, you can even be estrogen dominant in menopause. I see it on tests every day. If you are not moving those hormones through, what if you start taking hormones or administering them, if you're taking them orally, using them transdermally via a patch or biased cream, you need to make sure they are moving through your liver. They're not supposed to be a stagnant pond. They're supposed to be a gently moving stream otherwise you're going to feel awful you're going to have those same pms symptoms you had before you went into menopause so they need to move through and so that is why i also do the gi map which is a stool test and again you need to detox estrogen not only in your liver but in your gut so if someone comes to me constipated and they're only pooping one to three times a week like, we can't even consider starting you on hormones until you're excreting those hormones because A, you don't want them to build up in your system. Now, menopausal hormone replacement is about a fifth of the dose of the pill. It's like a micro dose. So you're not gonna be accumulating hormones the way you would if you're on the pill or a hormonally-based IUD. But you still want to make sure that what comes into your body is eliminated via your urine, the stool, Um, that you're just, you're pooping it out every day. So that is why I put people on supplements in addition to hormones because they have to move through every day. And that's why a lot of women, you know, um, I have a lot of content on Instagram about hormones and a lot of women say, I'd say at least 30% are like, I didn't tolerate estrogen. I felt awful. I gained all this weight. I was puffy, my boobs ached. Um, and I can tell you when I started hormones a couple of years back, same thing. I had this like really wicked breast tenderness, a little puffiness. And once I treated myself the way I do my own clients, it all cleared up. It was pretty amazing. So I was like, wow, this shit works.
0: <laughs> yeah, guess so. It's nice to see it in real time, right? It's like always good to have that personal it experience. Is. What would cause someone like, again, does this kind of some of it just go back to, again, the same boring health lifestyle factors we're always talking about, about sleep and stress management, eating properly, but is like, what would cause someone to not be, you know, processing, excreting hormones properly versus having them kind of be building up and staying stagnant and how would you know, is it just that you're, you're symptomatic? And so you're like, there must be something stopping them somewhere. Like why do some people just do it effortlessly and some people don't.
1: So about 32% of women in menopause develop non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which can give you a very stuck and stagnant liver. Right. Thank you, because when our hormones decline, we tend to produce more cholesterol, like a lot of women have very high cholesterol. And again, cholesterol, I'm not saying it causes heart disease, but if you're not breaking it down properly, it can get really stuck and stagnant and with a loss of estrogen can come a fatty liver. That is why. Early intervention is key that I recommend women get on hormones in perimenopause as soon as they're candidates to offset all of these bumps in the road. Um, stress, excess alcohol for years and years and years, of course, that, and you know, a really imbalanced diet that too high in carbs and sugars and corn syrup, of course, and trans fats that can also contribute to a fatty liver. Um, so that can gunk up the works. But also, environmentally, look at the environment we're in. We have a lot of um, toxins in our food. Uh, if you're not eating organic, you're exposing yourself to a tremendous amount of pesticides. Uh, if you are eating out of plastic containers versus storing your food in glass containers, especially if you're heating those containers, those um, PFOAs, these are uh, plastic compounds that can leach into our foods, all of and pesticides, all of those can displace hormones at the cellular level and really clog up our estrogen receptors and our hormone receptors. And we have estrogen receptors all over the body; it's not just in the uterus and ovaries. We have receptors on every cell, so you want to make sure that your receptor sites are also clean. And and you know, I, I get a lot of questions from women who are like, I don't understand. My grandparents didn't, Do did my grandmother didn't take hormones. My mother didn't take hormones. Like this is not natural. Our ancestors never needed hormones. Our ancestors are also not living in the life we're living now with unbelievable amounts of stress, fantastically symptomatic perimenopause symptoms. And, you know, the foods and the chemicals that we're eating. I mean, I hear from clients again and again, like, I traveled to Europe, I ate everything, I drank wine, and I still lost weight. And like, yes, you could say, oh, your stress was lower, and maybe you got more steps in, but I am telling you. (laughs) It is, I even heard like these bros at the gym talking about, they're like, I went to another country and I lost 10 pounds without even changing what I eat. And it's like, the food is different. My clients here don't tolerate gluten, they go overseas, they have no problem tolerating gluten. They will have loose stools, bloating and gassier, and overseas have completely solid stools. So you tell me there's not stuff in our food in the US of A. I mean, it's just a given. So that is why we're not detoxing well. And then, and,
0: I mean, one of the arguments, too, about like, oh, our grandparents didn't, you know, need this stuff, yeah. like some of it is, it wasn't available. I mean, to a certain extent, you know, maybe our ancestors could have benefited from some of these things. And there wasn't the conversation or the, the culture, the environment to actually help women who are suffering. I mean, this is still a problem we're dealing with where doctors don't listen. Um, Women are taught that you're imagining things or being dramatic, or this is just what you, you get because you are a woman. So it's like that argument yeah. doesn't fly on, on multiple levels, but anyway.
1: That's right. It doesn't. And, you know, it's like, Shame on you, doctors, because I'm a freaking dietitian. Why am I giving your patients more knowledge than they got in your practice? Why are they learning more from Instagram and YouTube and Substack subscriptions than they are from a medically trained doctor? And I always hear, you know, people say, oh, my doctor said they're too busy. They don't have the time. When do you think I worked and wrote my books? I wrote them on the weekends after treating people full time in a practice. And I have a family. And at the time, you know, my mother was alive but not doing well. I was helping her and raising a teenage son. Don't tell me you don't have the time, because you do. You can read two studies a day. Don't tell me you don't have the time. To like, how do you look women in the eye we're sitting in front of you crying saying, I paint, I'm having painful sex. I don't even want to have sex. I don't feel like myself. I've gained weight. I'm not sleeping. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. How do you look at someone, a human being and dismiss her like that and say, well, uh, you're in menopause. Good luck with that. I mean, my GYN never even mentioned perimenopause or menopause to me. And I had been to functional doctors for years too. Like I remember years where I had horrible um, palpitations and jackhammering heart. And she said, Go see a cardiologist. <laughs> and then I looked back once I got on hormones, all that stopped. So I'm like, dude, how you know, like people miss stuff. It I ended up just running my own test and treating myself. You know, I was like, this is it's yeah. crazy. So That's certainly how I started treating. Yeah. I mean, I was in my late 20s when I started treating menopausal mamas. What the hell do you think I knew about menopause? I didn't. Mm -hmm. I had to learn because I have people showing up, putting their trust in me, paying me money. And I was like, I've got to help these ladies. Mm -hmm. And I did. Mm -hmm. And I went and researched and studied and got better at it over the years. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know.
0: In my, I have some questions related to this, but this is kind of like a high level thing. Is there, in your experience, in your practice, is there still sort of room for, obviously women are all going to react to things in different ways and we have different situations and lifestyles and all of those things, but is there an element when it comes to symptoms of perimenopause, menopause, that that transition that we all are, if we're lucky, we get to go through, is there an element of genetics where no matter how well, you take care of yourself, you may be more symptomatic than another person. Like, cause I, I you know, I've heard from folks who are like, Men- menopause was nothing to me. Like I, it just kind of happened and here we go. And then I've heard from people who I consider to be from what I know, very, very healthy, very aware of their bodies who just have a really, really hard time. So is there, I, I, maybe this yeah. is a depressing question, but I just want people to know too. Cause sometimes again, yeah. we tend to like blame ourselves. Oh, I must be doing something wrong. Sometimes you just, you just are a more symptomatic person. Is that right?
1: So genetics are the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. Right. So yes, there are women, um, who've had, I mean, my mom had a hysterectomy. She had giant, giant fibroids. I've got a couple teeny tiny fibroids and some cysts that have ruptured, which has been a beast, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't have like, she had surgical menopause in her late forties. I don't have that at all. Um, but also you know it's not um some women also have um the BRCA gene it doesn't Man, their moms had ca- you know breast cancer it doesn't mean that their genes are going to express themselves and be fully realized for cancer we also want to look at trauma okay trauma has such a tremendous amount of impact on a woman's menopausal symptoms Um, Women of color are known to have, this is the research shows, there is even worse menopausal symptoms um, due to trauma and abuse and cycles. But we all know, you know, trauma is seven generations up. It's seven generations above us and seven generations below us. So with trauma, our task is to heal from that so we can break the cycles because that impacts cortisol curves. And I've seen people with horrible cortisol curves going into menopause. But I've also seen women who've healed their trauma who have normal cortisol curves. So it's really our task, our reckoning midlife to really heal from trauma. And we do really interesting therapies in my practice, we do, um, my coach does. um, uh, Oh, my gosh, it's, um, NLP like some neuro linguistic programming and hypnosis we send people to practitioners to get support with microdosing and therapies so we we really support women at you know and give them the tools to heal and of course diet lifestyle strength training walking stress management and sleep all of those That's where you can really override your menopause experience, like cutting back or eliminating booze, being mindful of caffeine. All of those things are really imperative. And to me, like the 50s is the best yet. It's when women, you know, the 40s is really kind of the reckoning and the 50s is the ultimate rise to power. If you choose it to be, if you are brave enough to do the work on yourself that you need to rise, you will rise and just you will give menopause such a badass, fierce name. You know, you that, really. That kind of really gave me well.
0: goosebumps. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you just. I
1: mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you full disclosure. I lost my mom five months ago, and wow, what an excruciatingly painful, but also absolutely beautiful time to really go. I'm like, now I can really heal from just so many things. And the mother daughter relationship is so fantastically complicated. And we're at the age where we are either caring for sick parents or, um, or they're passing. And so it's a really amazing time. I'm like, take this time to heal, take this time to go deep in yourself and and work on what you really need to work on. Because if you don't like, you still have so many good years left. It's like, go you can either live them to the highest or stay stuck where you're at of course i'm going to choose the former you know
0: i'm sorry to hear that yeah very soon
1: i mean and i can
0: i can say this because my mother doesn't listen to this podcast
1: (laughs) but (laughs) i
0: i have a i have a similar like well i i would love for her to do some things that i think could really improve her quality of life better like personal uh trauma, problem solving things. And yeah, I get the yeah. sense that she's sort of like, yeah, I've made it this long. I'm pretty comfortable with the, like, dysfunction that I'm in. And it makes me so sad. Cause I'm like, you could yeah. be around for like a lot longer. Do you want to be happier or no? And I just feel like, so, and I don't know if it's like a generational thing, if it's a woman thing, I'm sure everybody can, can know somebody who is in this situation where it's like, they're so, so, so familiar with, even if it's a really negative mind space or way of way of looking at life or whatever, that like the idea of trying to break out of it and be happier or be more productive or whatever. They're just like, I don't, I don't even want to, you know, even if I know something good to be on the other side.
1: Well, and also they weren't, our mothers were not given the tools and the permission to speak out. It was either shameful or you just didn't talk about like my mother's mother. Um, had some pretty wicked bipolar disorder. She used to get shock treatments. She was in and out of hospitals, psych wards, Her medication was regulated and off her whole life it was constant swings. And so um, and my mother just never. She mentioned it like once or twice my whole life never went there i would ask her about her childhood i would ask her what her experiences was like and my mom just wouldn't talk about it it was just like nope i'm just gonna you know fo-. and so i think it's you know she didn't want to or they again they weren't given words like trauma they weren't given words like anxiety or mental health that wasn't even a tool provided so i think when you do provide it, listen, we all have neuroplasticity and we all can change. There, You can go therapy at any age. It, the learning and self-exploration never stops. But I think for a lot of people, they do feel it's too late or it's not worth it or they just can't muster up the energy to, mm-hmm. to do it. They just don't want to. They're like, it hurts. Why would I do that? Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. Yeah. This
0: could this could go down a really interesting uh like therapy rabbit hole, but I do want I do want to try <laughs> to stay a little bit on, on track here. I mean, this is all related, of course, but um of course. okay, so going back to sort of the original thread of sometimes you know having sort of the genetics, it's it's the gun, and then your behaviors kind of pull the trigger. I get a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of questions from women in their 40s, usually 40s-ish kind of asking like, is it actually harder or is this sort of a myth excuse we've built for ourselves? Is it actually harder to maintain or build muscle mass and strength in perimenopause? Like, is it is that a fact of that time of life that things become harder or is it just, you know you just need to know what to do with the sort of fluctuations and stuff like that? I'm interrupting this incredible and informative podcast to tell you about today's show sponsor, the primal health coach Institute. If you're a health fitness, wellness, strength coach, any of the above, or you want to become one, or you're just looking for some relevant continuing education, this is for you. So the primal health coach Institute, which is spearheaded by the godfather of primal and ancestral fitness and health, none other than Mark Sisson is actually where I got my coaching start. In fact i was one of the first 50 people to become certified through this coaching organization and now flash forward to today years later i recently released my very own certification course through their platform the strength training for women specialist certification that i'm really really proud of and this course is for coaches of all genders anyone who works with women And in the course, we're diving deep in the physiological, hormonal, cultural, and myriad other aspects that directly impact women's ability to build strength and muscle. We're also working to debunk the misconceptions and misinformation that so many women, and unfortunately so many coaches have been working under for so long. So the course is meant to help you learn how to advise and really deeply understand how to optimize nutrition, recovery, hormonal health, um, language, you know, mental health attitude, and of course the training, uh, for your female clients. So that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg, but My course isn't the only one they offer. They have a range of specialist courses on things like gut health. They also have their flagship primal health coach certification, which I have taken, and I recommend to anyone who's looking to acquire a good base of knowledge. And your registration in any of these courses also comes with a ton of resources, downloads, things you can give your clients. It's really, really uh, an amazing platform. And I feel so strongly about this coaching organization that I developed a course for them. So they have decided to give my listeners a 25% discount, either for my course, the Strength Training for Women Specialist Certification, or for their flagship Primal Health Coach Certification. So all you have to do is go to primalhealthcoach.com forward slash msw that'll be in the show notes and uh you can use the uh, promo code msw25 for either of those courses at checkout go learn uh you won't regret it it's an amazing amazing platform and the courses are great if i do say so myself so go check it out learn something and uh now back to the show
1: that will depend on your hormone status your protein intake your stress your cortisol your insulin management um all those pieces is it harder i I can't say definitively if it's harder as because if you have those pieces in place you can there's research that shows people in their 90s have who are lifting weights and i'm not talking heavy weights but We have physically, we have the capacity to build muscle at every age. So I find, yes, the cortisol piece and the fluctuating hormones are the biggest challenge women face. And um, also we forget as women, or we just aren't even educated to the fact that testosterone is the predominant hormone in a woman's body until she goes through menopause. And so doctors, you know, I always get asked by women, what do you think of, there's all of these um, hormone replenishment memberships that you can buy online, right? Don't ask me to name the names, but there's different companies where you pay a monthly membership and there are doctors who will send you, have a consultation with you, send you hormones over the mail and look at like blood tests, which aren't the best, most accurate, ways to read hormones, which is why I test urine metabolites. Urine and saliva are by far the best. So, um, but those companies, they don't prescribe testosterone. So that's something you should know because testosterone is not, at least in the U.S., I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the U.S., it's not FDA approved for women. It's considered an off-label use. So as long as your doctor deems you a candidate, he or she can prescribe your doctor, your nurse practitioner, your naturopathic doctor can prescribe. Um, But those those box, you know, those um, uh, template companies, which just have one business model that's not as customized, like you're missing out on a huge thing. And testosterone is a huge piece of maintaining muscle mass, energy, Libido, like you can use testosterone vaginally too. It doesn't just have to be topically, Um, but also women don't realize that testosterone is essential for cognitive function. It's not just estrogen that prevents loss of gray matter in the brain, you know, which is huge by the way. I mean, we could empty out memory care units if we properly administered hormones to women in late perimenopause and beyond. But testosterone and progesterone also contribute to processing, learning, cognition, memory, mood, right? All these things. And we are not giving women testosterone. And I'm like, this is bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers.
0: It's so classic, like the sort of blind spots around women's health that people just assume, even people who work in this industry, they're like, women, testosterone, they don't really connect like they don't need yeah you know we need to worry about estrogen for women like testosterone don't worry about it it's not a part of it it's
1: uh... that's right because if you use testosterone you're just going to bulk up and look like the hulk ladies you should know unless you're eating as many calories as michael phelps (laughs) yeah,
0: or the rock (laughs) or something
1: Yeah, yeah yeah or the rock and lifting crazy crazy heavy like there's no way on 12 to 1500 calories a day you're bulking up. It's just yeah. not even physically possible number 1. Number 2, remember with hormones you're given a microdose of and bioidentical hormones are really the gold standard. I do not recommend pellets for this reason cuz pellets jack up your hormone levels to 4 to 5 times the normal level they should be for a postmenopausal woman. When you're replenishing hormones, we don't need you ovulating. We don't need the robust progesterone that you had in your 20s, 30s, and maybe even your 40s. We need enough to offset the risk of bone loss, preserve cognitive function, and offset the risk of cardiovascular disease and preserve muscle, that's it. And that actually is a gentle low dose. You don't need, hormone pellets even if they're bioidentical understand once they're inserted in your tush muscle right in your glutes or wherever else they're inserted you have zero control over the release and the amount that goes into your system at once and it can take four to six months to flush out of your system whereas with bioidentical hormones if you're using a cream or a patch You can cut the patch in half or in quarters. You can use less cream. You can use more cream. You or a trochee, you can cut it in quarters. You can adjust the dose day to day. Mm -hmm. You can titrate up or down. So and a lot of my people do this. They like will tinker a little bit. And again, you should work with your practitioner, your prescriber on this. But the point is, Once you're going in with pellets, you are really totally, it's an out of control hostage situation with your body. And a lot of my women lose um, control where they're gaining 10 pounds in a very short period of time. They have total mental rage, or they're like so freaking horny that their husbands or partners are like, what is wrong with you? This is like insane. So we want to make sure that we're like, go slow, go easy and just be really gentle with yourself. Yeah.
0: I wonder too. And again, as someone who, this is why I'm having you on the podcast, because I'm not an expert in these things. I've done some research and, you know, for myself as much as anyone else, I'm in my late thirties. Like this is stuff that I'm going to have to be like reckoning with at some point. Um, (laughs) But I, I really wonder how much of, because so many, like my clients personally and women who come to me who are talking about how hard it is to build muscle or maintain muscle yeah. or how they just you know are unhappy with how they look and all the stuff yeah. in their 40s um, how much of it too is also sort of cultural and the kind of like language and beliefs we have around yeah. aging where yes. we expect for some reason, because I guess the media shows us or tells us that we should look, feel, and perform the same way at yeah. 48 as we do at 21. And again, yeah. I am not the person to say like, except that you're s- slowly dying and just feel brittle and tired all the time. <laughs> Obviously not. I think you can be strong and beautiful and feel good and have a great body composition forever. Right. If you, if you understand and you do the right things, but I think, I I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I have a kid. I'm realizing that my body is changing and that maybe in some ways I have to either work harder or I've just literally changed my priorities to the point where some things that mattered more matter less to me. And like, I kind of am just trying to do my best to accept these things. There's a difference between settling and like, accepting the change and evolution of your body and your brain and your goals and your needs. Right. And I, I just wonder if some of it, some of it is this, you know, lifestyle factor, learning about your body, hormone replacement Mm -hmm. therapy. And some of it is like, we are fighting against something that is inevitable to a degree. And like, it's so you're wasting so much time and energy and, and creating so much negativity in your life around something that is just it's just you be still being alive and things being a That's little right. different how they used to, you know.
1: That's absolutely right, and you know it. It is there is a natural softening that comes with age. I think it's the most beautiful thing to to soften and have lines in your face. And yeah, we we've got some gray hairs, um, and yes, it it is. And again, we have to respect and honor where our hearts are in this process and where who we show up as in the world and the priority is obviously still on self-care but it's also being gentler and kinder and say yeah i'm especially if you've had a baby i don't know about you ashley but i just have skin that is always loose it's never gone back Mm -hmm. Um, no matter how many Pilates classes I take or how much weight I'm using. um, And that's okay. I call it my suit of armor. Like I just learned to let go a long time ago and just celebrate like the fact that I still wear the same size clothes. My body is different. Gravity is different. My boobs are definitely lower than they used to be Mm -hmm. full stop. And does that. And yes, I've got some cellulite on my stomach and my thighs. That never stops me from wearing a bikini or thinking I'm less than I'm just grateful, like you say, to have energy, to have mental clarity, to have sleep at night, because there were years in my life when I was like really sick with Lyme and mold and postpartum depression and didn't, you know, I like couldn't even function. So I'm like, if I'm strong enough to go to the gym and, you know, feel healthy and present to hang out with my son and my husband like that to me is where the focus is at I really don't do I love how I look in pictures though no but not always but here's the thing when I was at my thinnest I didn't even love how I looked at Mm. pictures Mm -hmm. in my when I was 20 pounds lighter I still was brutal on myself so I'm Mm -hmm. like who cares at this point I'm just letting it hang out Yeah,
0: Um, I mean, striving for perfection, never like no one gets there and is like, good to go perfectly happy now, never going to question myself or feel bad about myself ever again. There's no such thing. So I guess it's like, be, it's fine to want to always look better, improve yourself, whatever, but like, Mm. just try to be happy in the process because if you're waiting for some arbitrary goal to reach and then you're, you're going to be totally happy. It literally doesn't happen for anyone. I've never seen that happen. So, um,
1: yeah. Well, anyway. and you've had such an interesting trajectory because you've been on the stage, you've had a baby, like your body's gone through and you've been beautiful at every stage, but you know, different. It's, you're, it's different. And that too is like a real acceptance of like, yeah. wow, my body's processed so much change. But, you know, I feel like if we can, if we can focus on the pounds, we lift instead of the pounds on the scale, if we can yes. focus on feeling in our power and all that we contribute to the world and how to be um how to give back how to contribute how to be a value of service then yes. you stop focusing on the other pieces when you're like how can i give back how can i change the lives like to me when i get up in the morning i really focus on i meditate every morning and every night and i'm like how am i going to change the lives How am I going to touch the lives of one million women? How am I going to do that? That is what fuels me. I'm not sitting there thinking, "Oh, my stomach looks a little more bloated today than it did yesterday." I may notice it, but that takes up like no mental real estate in my brain. (laughs) I love that. Am I I wearing the Spanx leggings today or my jeans? What What am I doing? And then it's over.
0: (laughs) I mean. To your point, I really think that, and I love that you said that because it's something I say all the time, teaching like competence and skills and things like that in tandem with whatever your weight loss goal is, is so important because, and again, I'm not, I'm not the, you know, um, foremost leader in confidence and not caring what other people think or not ever feeling bad about yourself. But I will say that from an early age, learning about like being capable and having skills and having this physical strength that I've always sought all of those things it really does create an intrinsic self-confidence whereby if your body changes if you're not 21 anymore and you're not getting you know the attention that you used to get or whatever to your point you can notice it and you can be like oh yeah you know things are a little different but it doesn't it doesn't Crush you like it may somebody whose main priority and goal has always been looking good. I I did I, you know I competed in bodybuilding. I've all I, still I want to be cute. I want to like look good. I want to like feel good in my clothes. All of those things. But when I have my moments where I reckon with what my stomach looks like now or the fact that, you know, I'm not getting any younger, all of these things, it truly doesn't. You can notice it and then continue on with your life because it's not the only thing you feel like you have going for you. And it's such a disservice to so many incredible women that we were taught looking good is the most important thing you can do it's just it just isn't and it doesn't and it doesn't matter as much as we think and i think when if we can get over that like almost reverse narcissism that so many uh women who lack self confidence it's this thing that you think the only thing that matters is how good you look and everyone cares about how good you look you know get i don't know learn learn story. they don't no yeah, one cares like,
1: how you look they really don't matter. care or if now. they do,
0: they notice and they move on, just like you do. Like, who it, it's, it's one part, it's one small part of who you are. And if you yeah. can deadlift a lot or play a sport or play with your kids, or you have a fulfilling job and family and relationship, yeah. all those things, then the looking good part is just this little bonus on the side, truly. And it sounds like it's this corny thing. I know some people probably are listening and thinking, like, yeah, sure, that's just what you tell yourself. But it really is the truth. And it's very, very freeing when you realize that on one hand, it's totally fine to want to look good. And that's a very human thing and it's great. But when it's not the most important thing, that is hugely, hugely freeing and opens up so much more of your time to more important things, you know?
1: It does. And I'll just add on one more thing is for any of you listening who are parents, it's also really amazing to raise a generation of strong people. And if you, you know, I, I love going to the gym with my son. He is like my best spotter. I have fantastic workouts when I go with him. We love it. But, and he said to me, he goes, it's the healthiest form. You know, he's he's naturally a good runner, but he doesn't enjoy it. He does it, you know, for for just community building. But his real love is, is weightlifting. And he's like, it's the best form of narcissism because it's also really healthy. I'm like, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Because we notice we're like, there's a real crisis with teens and, uh, and children and society, just massive, massive obesity. So we're like, keep yourself metabolically healthy. So if you can, no matter what size you are, no matter where you are in your journey, just start. Just pick up a five pound dumbbell. That can be heavy. People say, well, how much is heavy? Whatever's heavy for you. Mm -hmm. You may start with bands. You may start with Pilates and then work your way up. You know, when I was like super sick with Lyme and couldn't talk, I had no cortisol curve. I couldn't lift anything heavy or I would crash. So I started doing Pilates and lifting three and four pound weights. And those killed me in the beginning. That's All I could lift without crashing Mm -hmm. so like but I was just so happy to feel moving and strong and using my muscles and my body weight even so Mm -hmm. start where you're at it doesn't matter yeah it all the only workouts you will regret are the ones you didn't do but you will never regret a shitty workout is far better than workout at all all. I
0: completely agree um, okay. I have some more like specific questions that I want to make sure, um, cause I got a few of the same questions. So I want to make sure we touch on them. Um, and most of this I think is going to probably point to like specific hormonal things, but I got a lot of women asking me about night sweats and what specifically causes them and how to not have those.
1: Yeah. So night sweats can, really be triggered by environmental causes, alcohol, booze, and sugar are real bona fide triggers for um, for hot flashes, night sweats, but night sweats can be day sweats too. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes even like blow drying your hair can, can trigger or just dressing. I mean, there's a reason why it's 40 degrees out and I'm in a tank top right now because my body... After I work out, it takes me about two to three hours to cool down. So um, also managing your blood sugar is really, really important. So protein, four to six ounces at every meal, especially breakfast people, stabilizing your blood sugar. When your blood sugar crashes, your cortisol is gonna spike and that can instigate a hot flash. Um, Hot flashes are caused by, declining hormones or sky-high hormones. It's a lot of fluctuations. It can be um, spiking estrogen levels partnered with declining progesterone, and progesterone is the first hormone to go. It's usually the first hormone to decline in perimenopause. That's why we get more anxiety and more insomnia. And if you notice, like The first two weeks of your period, you're superwoman, and the last two weeks, it's like Jekyll and Hyde, you know, and you're just exhausted and irritable and anxiety. That's low progesterone. That's a classic symptom. Or you're having these crime scene periods and massive clotting. That's low progesterone. Progesterone is the kitten, and it keeps estrogen, which is the tiger, it keeps it totally in check. And so it helps make GABA, which is this very calming, peaceful neurotransmitter that helps quell anxiety and helps us sleep and also helps offset those heavy, heavy periods. So is our hot flash is just a, an estrogen deficiency? No, it's not. It's estrogen coupled with progesterone and testosterone and getting the ratios properly Um aligned and in check is really the formula for quelling hot flashes often people think if they go on a hormone patch that that's going to stop the hot flashes it will help a lot but you've also got to get the other hormones and i always say hormones are a symphony they're not a solo act. Mm -hmm. so you you can't just give one and think that's going to do it except in again like perimenopause like you can cycle off and on progesterone where you're on it the last two weeks of your period you take it uh, um, pardon me the last two weeks of your cycle you take it until you get your period and then you go off so that's a that's the only exception or dhea some women start having low dhea in perimenopause and that's a simple supplement you can take you know it's pretty gentle at low doses all
0: right This is actually more of a reproductive age question, but it's something that came up for me when we were talking about night sweats. Is it possible for like, obviously pregnancy and birth and postpartum is a massive hormonal uh, circus. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Um, And is it possible for that experience to kind of like permanently reset you a little differently? Like I remember talking to some people who had PCOS who said that like giving birth actually like helped them sort of like reset their hormonal structure in a like a beneficial way but I know for myself personally like I tended to be and I'm somebody who has like good iron levels and eats a lot of meat obviously that's kind of my thing but I was still one of those like classic girls who's like cold all the time and like my hands and feet were always cold and when i got pregnant i and of course i was very heavily pregnant in the summer like i was very hot i was having like this you know i was very sweaty all the time was very hot and i have found since having um my son my hormones i believe are are quite regular and my my cycles are regular and all that but i feel like i've been like reset a little bit where i'm not i don't get cold i don't have cold hands and feet the way that i used to and i wonder if that's connected is that something that can happen
1: Absolutely. I mean, pregnancy changes the the body a thousand different ways. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of women, myself included, like I had the most wretched cramps where I would vomit actually um, uh, prior to having my son and afterwards, like they were a thousand times better. They were still annoying, but um you know,
0: but nothing
1: like they used to be at all. So yeah, it, it, it absolutely changes you. And my favorite part about pregnancy, this is, I don't know if you have read or heard this, but the baby you carry, you each leave permanent cells in the brain tissue. And my son and I are very like telepathically connected. We think alike, we'll think the same things at the same times. We let, we're just really, really simpatico, and it, it's undeniable to me. I mean, I'm very grateful for it, but that mother-child bond is profound in ways we don't even know or fully understand yet.
0: I believe it, and I love it, and I love that so much.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, hormonal reasons
0: for hair thinning.
1: Mm. Yes, I know. I get asked this question a lot. Um, low testosterone thyroid changes you can have thyroid changes when there's any type of hormonal storm pregnancy perimenopause menopause um and the third thing is digestion so what most people don't realize is that with the decline in estrogen and progesterone we change the composition of the small intestine we can lose that mucosal barrier there's a decline in hydrochloric acid production. There's a decline in motility as well.
0: Mm.
1: And the estrobolum changes. The estrobolum is a subset of bacteria in our microbiome that helps metabolize and excrete hormones. This is why gut health is so important. This is also a piece to the difficulty building muscle. A lot of women don't digest red meat as well. Or they say, Mm. I can't eat all this protein. I'm bloated. I don't feel well. Mm -hmm. We've really got to optimize gut health as well. So all of those can contribute to thinning hair, hair loss, breakage, but definitely getting your hormones optimized, give it a good six to 12 months, but your hair can regrow and come back for sure. But that's why I'm like, Get ahead of this, get your hormone workups. The minute you feel symptomatic or notice your periods are different, you're not feeling yourself, there's 36 different symptoms associated with perimenopause and menopause. The real difference between perimenopause and menopause, by the way, is menopause, you're just 12 consecutive months without a period. Otherwise, the symptoms can continue. You can be menopausal and still have all the hot flashes. You may not have like, cramps, and periods, but can have all the hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, vaginal dryness, cognitive changes, that all stays the same if you don't optimize. Now, there's also some of you listening that say, I don't want to take hormones, I'm afraid of hormones um, genetically, or I tried them, I don't feel well. There are also options for you, and I put this in my book, See You Later, Ovulator, but I'll mention a few. Um Maca Mm -hmm. uh, is a wonderful, wonderful root that is um, an herb and helps optimize adrenal function. It helps women get more, become more robust. And um, also there was a study done that showed women who took maca, uh, 87% had relief from hot flashes. So it's a great remedy for hot flashes, but hot flashes Again, the the diet and lifestyle piece, don't think that you're gonna drink alcohol every night and fix your hot flashes. Don't think that you're gonna out hormone your lifestyle ever because you won't, mm-hmm. you won't. So you need to make sure that that's in check too.
0: Okay. Two quick questions from that One, first of all, I like maca. I actually have a recipe in one of these books for like maca chocolate marshmallows and they're really good. It's kind of like nutty and kind of good, but with that study, yeah. do you know offhand? Is it like, cause a lot of these things with like cinnamon helps regulate blood pressure or whatever. It's like, you have to have like four tablespoons of cinnamon a day. Like, was this like a regular amount of like supplementing with maca or is it like you have to do yeah. a lot for years? Do you know what I mean?
1: No, no, it's a regular amount. Um, Dr. Anna Kabeka, she's the yes. girlfriend doctor. She makes a kick-ass maca that I absolutely love. Okay. So it's maca oh. with greens. You just take, uh, you know, she has one or two little, um, you take pouches, you take one or two pouches a day or a teaspoon of the, okay. of the powder. Um, so it, it's not crazy. crazy. I mean, a teaspoon of powder is, that's a very normal dose. Okay. Okay. So
0: another, and this is probably one of the biggest questions, and this is, again, I'm personally interested in your answer to this one. So, you know, you're saying like, it's just so important with any of these things to just like get ahead of this stuff with, in terms of course, of like lifestyle factors that apply to everyone, no matter what age you're at, all of these boring lifestyle factors that all of us talk about all the time are applicable forever to everyone, right? But in terms of inquiring about HRT, inquiring about, you know, best practices during perimenopause, menopause, all these things, how do you know and how can you advocate to get good um, treatment when, first of all, and I know you talked about this before, we could go down a rabbit hole about, you know, a lot of um, medical practitioners sort of not really understanding, knowing, sort of respecting this process, but also the fact that, as you've said, you know, transitioning from perimenopause to menopause is 12 months without a period. Right. Right. So if Correct. say say you're having, say you go three months and then you have a period and then you go six months, like you're doing your your perimenopause is like messing with you a little bit. So yeah. you're, you're suffering maybe during this time. Yeah. You're like, things are all over the place. You're still not in menopause. It's just all very a turbulent time. And maybe yeah. your doctor's saying, well, wait until you have 12 months without a um, period. And then we'll talk about how to make you feel better in menopause or something. Like, how do you, yes. if you're really entering into this phase, how do you make sure you get the sort of um, attention and, and treatment that you want?
1: Yes. So first and foremost, I understand... The economics, that finding a good doctor, functional medicine doctor, is often going to be out of pocket. And me too, I'm a cash practice too, because I spend an hour and a half with people on the first visit and half an hour thereafter. Most doctors, insurance-based doctors, can't do that. They just don't get reimbursed enough. They have about 15 minutes with you at most. Um, So knowing how to work the system is really key. So first of all, if your doctor isn't open to it, right, if your doctor dismisses you or isn't open, you know you're going to need to find a new doctor because this will not work for you. But you can try initially and say, are you open to hormones? I have done my research. And by the way, ladies, my, and men, men should read these books too. My book, See a Layer, Ovulator, has 20 pages of research studies in the back. So if you buy the digital version, like you can click on all the links or the audio version will have a little um, uh, attachment to it where you can look at all the studies. If you read three of those studies, you may not understand everything. Just read the conclusion, right? Mm -hmm. And the abstract. And you can say, I've done my research. You can hand them the book. Say, I've done my research. I have 100 studies in the back of this book that tell me the upsides to this. I would like to start. And if they're like, no, you have to wait, I would say, give me three months on this. I'm not sleeping, I'm having vaginal dryness, I'm, you know, list out all your symptoms, I'm having hot flashes, let me try for three months. Because here's the thing, at least in the States, bioidentical hormones are FDA approved. Mm -hmm. You can get them at a regular pharmacy. So for a doctor to not prescribe them, and again, you can say these are FDA approved, not for testosterone. Testosterone, you would have to ask for extra. But let's say you say, let me just try progesterone the last two weeks of my cycle. It's sold, it's made as Prometrium. I get mine for under $4 a bottle at the pharmacy. So, and you know, you could say, let me try and see how I feel, okay? But if you know you're wasting your time, then it really helps to find another doctor. So how do you do this? Number one, you can call your local compounding pharmacy. This can be anywhere in the state. As long as it's in the same state, they can mail to you. You can and say, what doctors are running hormone prescriptions through the pharmacy? They'll give you a list. They'll be like, oh, you want to see this doctor, this doctor? The pharmacist will tell you their favorite doctors. That is like such a good pro tip or if that doesn't work you can go to ifm.org this is the institute for functional medicine.org they also again they list doctors in your zip code but you do need to go through go through their websites and see if bioidentical hormone replenishment therapy is in their wheelhouse and make sure if you call the office say i don't want pellets i want non-pellet options so, doing those things alone will save you time and money now, or will save you time. As for the money, yes, you may need to invest with a functional medicine doctor, but I am telling you, you think about the cost, all the hours you're going to spend going, trying to freaking piecemeal this yourself, being gaslit along the way, being dismissed. Or going to a doctor who's putting you on hormones, but isn't quite hormone literate and doesn't know the optimal levels you need, how to optimize and doesn't know what to do when you're having symptoms and side effects. And isn't prescribing you vaginal estrogen, which is something I haven't even touched on today, but is so, so, so important. So all of those things, you know, weigh weigh it out and think, how can I make this happen? What what money can I move around just to get me optimized? Once you're on hormones, yes, you need to follow up with your doctor, but it's pretty much locked and loaded and you're set. And yeah, you'll need to tweak as you transition from peri to menopause, but long run, you're going to save yourself time and money because you will spend that money going to other doctors mm-hmm. to shopping and shopping. So mm-hmm. that's my spiel on it because Ex- exquisite Mennow care is our birthright it absolutely is and even if you start off with those boxed products where you're at least getting on you know those monthly programs at least get on some hormones to start to transition you till you find someone mm-hmm. that's fine too don't don't let perfect be the enemy of done just is it, start
0: is it true that there is sort of a trend of doctors giving perimenopause menopausal women like, birth control and iuds Ugh. and stuff instead yeah. of hrt and is it just because it's yes. easier and cheaper and they don't really care how effective it is like why is that happening
1: yeah it's because yeah menopause is not a birth control deficiency ladies and yes you should use birth control cuz you can still get pregnant it's the odds are low but it's absolutely possible um doctors give it because a drug companies you know, reward doctors who prescribe medicine, at least in this country. Um, B, it's often covered by insurance. And C, the bottom line is doctors are not well educated on hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. If they're given some education, it's not in med school, it's often in residency, if that, Um, only 50 to 60 percent as we are speaking only 50 to 60 percent of medical schools even have it on the curriculum and it's not a huge part of the curriculum at all which is bananas because we make up 50 percent of the world's population Six thousand women go through menopause every day this would be 1.2 billion women in menopause by 2030 and yet there is no freaking education so that is why I'm like, change begins with us. Instead Mm -hmm. of sitting there relying on your doctor and the medical school curriculum to change anytime soon, take it upon yourself to educate and empower yourself. Read books, go on Instagram, follow doctors. Some are going to be completely, there are a lot of menopause doctors that even gaslight women on bioidentical hormones and say you don't need them. Um, That is not... (laughs) I don't know how that works either, but Mm. no, you don't want birth control or an IUD. Hormone IUDs and birth control have synthetic progestins in them. That is not bioidentical progesterone. It will not help you sleep. Mm. It will not help quell your anxiety at all. And the, and the goal of birth control is to suppress your progesterone. So you cannot ovulate Well, what happens in perimenopause when you take a woman who already has declining progesterone and you suppress it further, you're going to ruin her mental health and you're going to ruin her sleep and make her feel absolute, like absolute garbage. So what happens is if you are on birth control and you're thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? Do I just yank this out? No, you transition, you work with a hormone literate doctor who is going to transition you over and start you at a higher dose of, of hormone replacement therapy. You, you're you not, if you are come in and you're on no hormones, you're going to start at a much lower hormone level than someone's on birth control and already on a hormone dose. That's like five times the dose of menopausal replacement therapy. So you've got to actually gently, lower the doses of hormones that you're on and transition you over. And some women I see on um, chemical birth control, we start, we just leave. If they say, I want to leave my IUD and I had crime scene periods before being on the IUD kept everything in control. I don't want to go off it yet or I don't want to go off birth control yet. Great. We can still add in bioidentical hormones, progesterone, and or estrogen patches if need be or creams and then slowly, you know, take it out when they're fully menopausal. So there's totally options. I'm like, don't yank out your birth control. Or if you're using it for birth control and you want it, keep it. Let's not like do 20 things at once. Let's just add in hormones. So there's solutions for everyone out there. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. A couple more quick questions. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but, uh, of course I know we could we could. Talk all we could be here for like a a whole eight
1: hours. At doing least, this. Yeah. I and know. I know,
0: and I know that you can talk for a long time since you just recorded <laughs> your entire book in a couple days anyway. Um, so <gasps> for those of us who are like, I'm totally open. Like I, I have done enough research to understand that HRT is something that is way more taboo for women than it needs to be. And I think that it can be hugely, hugely beneficial for so many women. There may yeah. still be a bit of this, fear of like, okay, well, if you put me on this regimen, do I now need to be doing this for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. is that the case? Is it the case Mm -hmm. for some and not everyone? Or is it just, this is sort of a part of your next phase of life. Is that to best support your health and hormonal profile? You need to supplement and that's going to be it forever.
1: If you go on the North American website, North American Menopausal Society website, that's menopause.org, you will see their position statement which says that hormone re- menopausal hormone re- menopausal hormone therapy is good for 10 years you could stay on it 10 years but no longer i treat women in their 70s who are still taking hormones because the minute they try and go off their hot flashes return hmm. so it's a quality of life issue um to me um vaginal dryness Uh, uh, vaginal atrophy and dryness and UTIs and bladder prolapse. You should be on vaginal estrogen the rest of your life. You only have to use it twice a week and it prevents all those issues. Again, imagine your mother, your grandmother in the nursing home in diapers, getting UTIs all the time that is preventable when you put just a dab of vaginal estrogen on the urethra and it also prevents clitoral atrophy too because women in menopause often say they can't have orgasms they have a weak pelvic floor or they just need so much more stimulation so um, vaginal estrogen is for life i do believe whether or not you want to stay on, I mean, the benefits are tremendous. If you look at even the research on bone density, right? So we know fractures and falls and bone breaks are the largest cause of mortality above for women above the age of 65. We also know that all the calcium and vitamin D and magnesium and boron and zinc and all the trace minerals and vitamin K1 and K2, even taking all of those, if you don't, have a baseline of estrogen in your system, your bone density outcomes are going to be far worse. Mm -hmm. So if you have a history of fractures or falls, if you have a history of heart disease, if you are getting that middle section abdominal fat or that menopause, as I like to call it, if you have risk of Alzheimer's, usually most of us fit in at least one of those three buckets, right? Hormones long-term, I believe more and more research will come out to say it's safe. I think plenty of women in practice uh, you know that I've seen have been using them long term and are healthy. Um there's another great book you can read that will give you I think a lot of peace of mind over this. It's called Estrogen Matters. It's by Dr. Avram Blooming and it is incredible. And to hear it from a physician, this man is a pioneer and a renegade and To hear just the absolute importance of hormones in our lives is really something. And you know, men use long-term testosterone Mm -hmm. therapy. No one blinks. Women have been put on birth control pills for 30 to 40 years. No one even blinks. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. everyone's terrified of hormone replenishment, which is gentle, safe, microdose. So something for us to all think about. Yeah. for sure yeah and it's like a reframing con-
0: it's a good point it's a
1: reframing and be like all right what's my quality of life i i could tell you i'm never going off mm-hmm. It could be the rest of my life because mm-hmm. i want oh and by the way ladies if you don't like wrinkles right low estrogen also causes a lot of wrinkles that's why you see women go into menopause and you do know significant changes in skin hair now. so mm. well that's your beauty he- supplement too
0: you had me at clitoral atrophy.
1: So. Right? Hello. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So yes. if if people are listening and they're like, okay, I'm loving everything you're saying. This is like, <laughs> I'm interested in this. It. I'm digging it, whatever. But maybe they are, you know, having some struggles with finding the right uh, um, doctor or like functional medicine, like a physician, somebody who can work with them. If they were to work with you or someone yeah. like you, How can you support or assist in that process? Like you can, you can order labs and and read labs and stuff for them. Like you can do that kind of stuff, but like, how is there, is there a way that you could like work with a doctor or help them find one or how does that, how does that. Yes.
1: I am constantly building a beautiful network of doctors that I refer my private clients to. Absolutely. And often I will call and liaise with those doctors send them my client's lab tests um, and, and their nutrition prescriptions. So what I can do in practice is I can run the tests. Uh, I can even get a mobile phlebotomist to your house. This is if you're in the United States, out of the country, it's more challenging. Um, and then I can prescribe diet and I prescribe supplements. And then I will partner you with a physician to help you with your um with your hormone help. And so it's a real team approach. And also, of course, if someone needs other resources for mental health, trauma therapy, or practitioners, you know, I always help support and find because we all need a team. We all need an entourage of health practitioners. And it takes a village. I can't, you know, I'm not licensed to prescribe hormones, but I can connect you as someone who is.
0: And I mean, that sort of goes to like everything in life. Maybe one of the issues we have with our medical care system too, is that we still are working under the assumption that a doctor should know everything and help with everything. And we know that our medical system has deep flaws and that's not the case. It's like the same as yeah. expecting your your partner, your husband or your wife to like be every single thing to you. like that's not how human beings work. So it to your yeah. point, yes, we all can benefit from a team, you know, a team that's going to help in every area that we need help in. Are you still taking are you taking clients actively right now?
1: I am taking clients actively and really working on I still have one-to-ones, but I'm really working on building really solid group coaching um, so people can see me at a lower price point and also still get all the testing and the supplement recommendations and still have access to that. And then I'm also building um, DIY online programs as well, again, for an even lower price point and guides, essential guides on hormones. So I'm really excited. I'm building out a lot of content and restructuring the practice to be able to serve more people and still give them absolutely excellent care that's in integrity with you know what I want people the the way I want humans to be supported in practice.
0: It's awesome. Yeah it's exciting you've got a lot you've got a lot coming. Yes. So so it's for people lot. who who are listening and are like, okay, I want all of this. I want the books I want all of it where where can yes. they best sort of connect with you and learn about all the stuff that you're doing
1: yes so please come get my happy hormone cocktail please go to estherblum.com forward slash cocktail you will also receive my weekly love letters and be part of my badass community of women which is ever growing um and then follow me on instagram at gorgeous esther and that's where you're going to get my videos my content so between my on my um, my newsletter list, I often will write content that is not on my Instagram account, so the two will really work together awesome. to just give you a, just as many resources as I can humanly do every week. Yeah, awesome.
0: yeah, you've yeah. you've got a lot. You're doing a lot on a day. a basis. lot, which I love. <laughs> but that's it's...
1: that's the goal, right? Where that's I'm it. not focusing on you know my abdominal cellulite, and I'm freaking serving. <laughs> in service of others so too
0: busy changing lives to worry
1: about i'm working on it i'm working on it yeah
0: well gorgeous esther thank you so much as always i mean i love i love the work that you do because it's so like even from this this you know one hour ish podcast you have given us a lot of like really tangible stuff i mean there's book resources there's people that we can go like learn more from you've given us really really tangible action points. And it's also like positive, right? There's so much just fear mongering around women's health. And so to have resources like you that are really just transparent and open and positive and like showing what it can be like through lived experience, I think is really helpful to those mm-hmm. of us who are looking to you for um, information and to like feel a little bit better. So thank you for uh, doing this. Well, do. thank important. you. Yeah.
1: You got to make menopause your bitch, lady, not the other way, <laughs> ladies, not the other way around. So
0: <laughs> that's a good place to end, I think.
1: And you should know too, ladies, if you haven't gotten Ashley's cookbooks, I have both. I make the recipes. Appreciate My that. favorite is your liver mousse. Like, we just Thank love you. that. I mean, liver, butter, onions, I mean, cream. What's the point? I will tell you, I use like cognac instead of the tequila, mm. and it is fire i mean i've played a lot with your recipes but people get her books if you haven't already because you will they're delicious the recipes are truly delicious
0: i appreciate that thank you
1: all
0: right let's do it again sometime soon shall
1: we please 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 thank you
0: all right thanks esther